Thank you for listening to this sermon from Goodwill Church, located in New York's Hudson Valley. Goodwill Church is on a mission to be a hub of revival in the Northeast and beyond. For more information about our church, please visit goodwillchurch.org. Now, here's the sermon. We are going to continue our reading through the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verses 9 through 20. Let us give our attention to the reading of God's Word. Revelation chapter 1, starting at verse 9. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on the account of the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and Lysodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. His hair on his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like flaming of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in the furnace. And his voice was like a roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in its fullness. When I saw him, I fell at my feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forever, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the lampstands are the seven churches." Would you pray with me? Lord, we are grateful for these words, words of hope, of encouragement, but they are not words that are supposed to confuse us. They are words to lead us and remind us that during the difficult times, there is a hope secured in you. We thank you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. As Christians, one of the things that you and I hold on to is the ability to know who Jesus Christ is. And as much as we hold on to that idea and belief, sometimes we also find ourselves in a place of 
finding it hard to identify who Jesus Christ is. Only because when he was born, the mold was broken. Right? And it's almost like we are wired in such a way to question, to have a critical heart. And, and I believe that if Jesus was to stand before us, we would even question, really? Right? But at the core of our time today, the one question we're trying to answer is this one. Who is this? In, in reference to who Jesus is. And here's the thing, right? Some of us might say, well, we have a pretty good handle on this, right? And there, there's a questionnaire that happens every so often, right? And it's from this organization. It's the state of our theology, right? You can look it up. And, and here's the opening words of what they say. What do Americans believe about God, salvation, ethics, and the Bible? Ligonier Ministries and Lifeway Research partners to find out. Every two years, they take a theological temperature of the United States to help Christians better understand today's culture and to equip the churches to better have insight for discipleship. Right, so here are some of the questions that they've asked. Right? Does God change? More respondents believe he does change, that they believe um, as we learn, he learns. Right? The Bible says no to this. Um, are we born innocent, innocent in the eyes of God? Again, more and more Americans say, right, sure, we are born innocent. But again, the Bible would say we are not. Um, the question of is church membership important, right? Most Americans say nope, right? Again, wrong. Um, too many Americans today have not returned to church in light of the pandemic. Um, they feel as if it, there's no need that they have better times to spend on a Sunday. Um, to them, church um, membership doesn't matter, right? And, and when they asked this question, it wasn't really in light of membership, but just the willingness to attend uh, a service on a Sunday. And the truth is, it does matter, right? And, and the surveys asked a few other questions, right? And Questions about sexuality, right? And here's what they found, right? A growing number of Christians, even though they self-identify as Christians, now reject or ignore what the Scriptures say about morality, gender, sexuality, and identification. Right? So even though it sounds that the state of the church isn't at a good place, Right, um, because, again, they asked many other questions, but here's what their concluding statement. Right? In 2022, the State of Theology survey revealed that Americans increasingly reject the divine origin and the complete accuracy of the Bible with no enduring plumb line of absolute truth 
to conform to. U.S. adults are also increasingly holding to unbiblical worldviews related to human sexuality. In the evangelical sphere, doctrine including the deity and exclusivity of Jesus Christ as well as the inspiration and authority of the Bible are increasingly being rejected. Right? So that's within the Christian realm, right, that many are really losing their moral compass, right? The worldview is influencing our Christian worldview. And all of a sudden, it becomes harder to identify, well, who is Jesus? Who is this? And here's the thing, right, that those questions and the research that was identified in the circles that we walk in, we see that all the time. We experience that all the time. And, and a lot of times, we don't say anything because we don't want to rock the boat, right? And when we don't give an answer to what's being presented by our silence, we are agreeing with them, right? And, and here's the thing. Life is difficult because sometimes it is our very kids, our families that are struggling in these areas, right? And we ask the question, well, how do we deal with this, right? More and more, we're finding, you know, a, just slightly different ways of conveying the truths that is found in Scripture. Right, so John, he is on the island of Patmos and, and in the middle of this time that he is spending with God, his time is interrupted. Right, and, and God specifically now tells him right, to pay attention and to write these words. Right, so let us give our attention to God's word. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on the account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Right, so here's one of those things that just comes out of these words. Right. You see John's authority and his authenticity right, in reference to who he is. Right. But he identifies with the very things that you and I are struggling today. Right. We are in partnership in this struggle. We are in tribulation. Why? because of this message of Jesus. This testimony of who Jesus is. Right? This island of Patmos is 24 square miles in size. Church history would say that John was in prison and he was in a cave, but most historians would say that he had pretty much full reign to this island. Um, 
not as if that he could get off this island. You know, the, the island was used as a place to keep people isolated from the rest of humanity. This island was and is 40 miles off the coast of Asia Minor. Right? And, and it's on this island that he is interrupted. But then the question you have to ask yourself, why was he put on this island? Right? He was put there because the rest of society thought that he was a problem because he was talking about Jesus. Right? So the problem that John had back then is the problem that you and I would have today. Right? So he identifies with that problem. We're in partnership together. We might experience tribulation. As a matter of fact, that might happen next Sunday as we're going knocking on doors and people assume that we might be of another tradition, Jehovah Witness, and, and you might be like, I'm not doing that. Right? And you might come all the way back around. You might put all the little cards in your pocket and go, I, I handed them out, Pastor Jose. <laughs> right? I know. Right? That's, listen, it's, it's not easy getting outside of yourself. Right? It's, but we do this on the account of his word, God's word, on the account of Jesus' testimony. Right? Why are we here in Port Jervis? Right? Is it so that we could be safe with people who are like-minded like us? No, it's to bring people from the outside in. And sometimes, right, it's like they're going to cause sometimes more issues and problems. And you know what you and I have to say? That's okay. Right? They're, they're babies. They're learning. We're going to teach them. Right? So John has been isolated, secluded to this island. An island that's very arid in, in just its environment. Right? And, and everybody who's there is there because they have been outcast. I was in the spirit of the Lord on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches. Right, and then he lists the seven churches. Right, imagine. Right, it's not as if he was in a worship service. Right, he had taken this day, Sunday, because that's the day in which Jesus rose from the grave. It is a day in which the church as a whole identified as a day of worship. You can go into Acts 20, verse 7, and that's the day in which they gathered. But as he is in the spirit, praying, intercede, asking God, lead, guide, intercede on my behalf, right? Also, in that time of worship is interrupted. And he heard behind him a loud voice like a trumpet, right? So here's the thing I'm going to say right off the bat, right? Revelation uses a lot of symbolism, right? And depending on how you interpret certain things of Revelation, you can either create an interpretation that can be confusing or interpretation that can be simple. Simple 
in the message, because remember, the message is a message of encouragement, right? So, so a lot of times, Revelation is going to use these items, these symbols, and if you take it literal, you're going to create an image that is just unbelievable, in reference of an unbelievable untruth. In other words, just because it says that his voice was a trumpet doesn't mean that there was a trumpet in his voice. Right? In other words, there are adjectives, adjectives that are describing the noun, the person of Jesus, right? In other words, his voice was one that came with clarity and authority. He is one that has been glorified. He is God. Right? And... And also, and that voice interrupted John's worship time. Right? And I'm grateful that these words were, were directed, and he says, write these things down. The things that you are going to see. Right? And send it to these churches. Again, like I said last week, these churches are listed in the direction that the mail would have been delivered to them, right? So it isn't no spiritual thing that's happening here. It's a very practical thing, right? So they would go from one location to the next, right? So as John is going to write this book, this scroll, he's saying, deliver it to Ephesus. Then once you deliver it there, deliver it to Smyrna. Then deliver it to the next church, right? And all of these churches today are supposed to represent all of our churches today from the different points of views and different positions, right? Now, these instructions that are being written is an edict, right? An edict is a pronouncement of, a, of directions given by somebody in power and authority, right? You, you know when your mother on uh, Sunday afternoon after service says, you need to clean your room, that's an edict, Right? Someone in power and authority. Right? So again, it's, that's what this letter is about. And, and, and this is the beginning, right? So this is a portion of the, of, of the introduction to this letter. Then I turn to see the voice that was speaking to me. And in turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstand, one like a son of man, clothed in a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. Right? And, and throughout history, right, many artists have taken these words and they've created amazing art. Right? But if you allow the descriptors to guide your vision of what is being described here, right? It's like you would have something like what's here, right? You would have a man, a sword coming out of his mouth, seven stars, lampstands, right? It's like, and again, these are just things that are helping us to describe that experience, right? But again, it's, it was a voice, a voice that gave John direction Direction in reference of writing the book of Revelation to instruct us. 
Right? And, and again, we will understand later on what the seven lampstands represent because God's word isn't going to leave us guessing. Right? And, but here's the thing, right? He uses a term that is used in the Old Testament, and it's a term that Jesus Christ used to identify himself. Right? One like the Son of Man. That's a term that Daniel used right, to describe an individual with great power and authority, someone who is divine. Right? It's, it's a term that was used 107 times in the Old Testament, more so in the book of Ezekiel. Again, and that's a term that Jesus would identify himself with, of, of setting him above everyone else. The hair on his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in the furnace. His voice was like a roar of many waters. Right? So again, these are all descriptors of what John envisioned he saw. Right? It's like Later on, we're going to read of streets of gold, right? And stuff, right? so many of us think, well, it's, those streets are paved with gold, right? Yeah, but we miss that word that says like, right? So, again, there's going to be a reflection, right? But it doesn't mean that these are the actual things that are fit, visible there, right? And... And, 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 and these are all things that are describing what John saw, right? Just imagine, right? He's in the spirit. He's worshiping. He hears a voice. He turns, and all of a sudden, this image just blasts his vision. And all of a sudden, he's, he's thinking as he's starting to write and remembering, well, what did I see? And he's describing it. Right? But the one that stands out is his voice, the voice of power and authority, the, the voice that brings life, that, that calls you out of the grave, just like we sang, right? The, the voice that transforms those who are dead into live beings. In his right hand, he held seven stars. And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in full strength. Right? It's like, like imagine if I gave you all, all these descriptors and I said, okay, paint me a picture. Like what would you come up with? Right? Paint me a picture. But here's the thing, right? That all of these things, even though they sound new, come from a very specific place in Scripture. Right? They come from the book of Daniel. But before we go there, right? It's, you look at this, right? Like if you highlight all the different pieces, right, that um, John is talking about here, right? It's almost like, Jesus' face would be 
just glowing. You, you, you wouldn't even see the features on his face, right? His eyes would be like coal. He would have a sword coming out of his mouth. He would have seven stars. He would be standing, right, amongst the seven lampstands. Right? His feet would be like refined bronze. Right? Again, it could be overwhelming. But again, when you ask yourself, well, where these items come from, right, they're found in Daniel. Most of them in Daniel 10. And you can make a correlation between what John is identifying to what Daniel described. Right? What Daniel described was the description of an angel, right? one not divine, one who was created. Right? And when you look at Revelation 1, Jesus is divine and he is the creator. Daniel 10.5 says he was clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold. 113 says clothed with a long robe and a golden sash around his chest. Daniel 7.9 says the hair of his head was pure wool. 114a says his hair on his head was white, like white wool. Right? And, and it goes right down the list. And here's... What you need to know, right, that if you were in the presence of God, you would have all these same characteristics, right? That the angel is a reflection of what he was standing before in the presence of God. Right? So the, the picture that J John is having is a picture of what he remembers as God is speaking to him. So it isn't a mystery. If you know the Old Testament, if you know your Bibles, you would see these connections. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, I am the living one, I I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. Right? Here's what happens when all of a sudden your mind catches up with what you are seeing, right? It's you fall and you worship. You're overwhelmed. Every one of your senses are just exploding with what you're seeing. And the very first thing that God takes care of for you and for me is he puts his right hand out and he says, fear not, right? He touches you. He says, don't worry about it. Fear not. I am the first and the last, right? Just like we read last week, I am the alpha and the omega, right? I am the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Right? He is telling you the story of the cross here with these words. Right? That I, I went to a Roman cross. I was crucified. I was put in a grave. On the third day, I rose again. 
I am the first one to do that. I have the very keys of death and Hades. Right? In, in other words, it, it's a picture of power and authority. It's a picture of the very things that frighten us, right? Being under Jesus' feet. He is our encourager. He is the one that says, you can do this. You can do this. Yes, there's going to be tribulation. There's going to be difficult times, but you can do this. Right? Remember, we're trying to answer that question, who is this? Right? This is Jesus. Write, therefore, the things that you've seen, those that are, those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the golden stars are the angels of the church, the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches, right? So here we are, right? We're given the very definition of what these items are, right? Now, the angels could be physical angels, could be human messengers as they're bringing this message, Those are the parts. And in other words, Scripture, we use Scripture to help us understand Scripture. So every time that word angel is used, it's either a messenger, it could be from heaven, or it could be a human messenger bringing a message. But then the seven lampstands are the churches. Right. And here's the thing, right? Jesus is concerned about his churches. Jesus is concerned about what are we doing? Who are we proclaiming? As the world is trying to give us their worldview, are we allowing their worldview to lead us astray? Or are we impacting this worldview with a godly worldview? Who is this? Who is that God's word is pointing to? Right? Yesterday, last night, I had the opportunity to share a devotional with um, our Trail Life boys. Right? And now it, you just have to see them. Right? There's about 60 to 70 of them running in the woods. Right? And, and, and you just hear their little voices. Right? And, 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 and all the dads are exhausted. Right? And, and listen, they're there for two and a half days. They started Friday afternoon. And, and if you know, it was cold yesterday. But guess what? It was a little colder today. Right? There was frost on the ground. Right? And part of the devotion is that then they have this big bonfire. Right? And I guess it's the only time they really get warm, right? They get close to the bonfire. Right, so Pastor Ken was there on Friday, right? And he shared with them that they are to be an aroma, 
a good aroma for God. Right? Right? Now, again, by the time I got to them, they were out in the woods, and so, so they had an aroma. <laughs> right? So my teaching to them yesterday was is, um, in reference to the foundation that, that their trail life is built upon, which is God's word, right? The 66 books of the Bible, that within um, 1,500 years, this book was written, that there's approximately 35 authors that are known, five that are not known. All of them were guided through the power and authority of God, right? 2 Timothy 3, in verse 14, it says that it was breathed, right? And, and these are young men, right, who are out in the woods, who are enjoying being young men, but they're also hearing God's word, right? It's why Jason and his family are not here, right, because... They also have a Sunday morning worship service this morning. And, right, so imagine, right? So from our group, it's about 30, but then they had four other trail life groups join them. So there, there was about 90 kids there, right? And all of them are doing their part to answer this question. Who is this? Right? Who is this? Right, so when you see Jason, right, it's like just because he, he looks big and gruff, right, just say thank you, right, because he's doing an amazing work, right, and his wife does American Heritage Girls. And, and like I said in the video, right, on Wednesday, this whole facility is just packed with kids and adults. And, and let me tell you, right, a lot of the adults don't know who Jesus is, right, but they're bringing their kids because their friends are coming here and... Um, and here's one of the things, right? That's like our job is to plug them into a church if they don't have a church, right? So, so if you want to get involved in what's happening in the life of the church, ask Jason or Jessica, hey, so how can I get involved? Right, because it is when they are the most moldable, right? And, and it's about encouraging the next generation, so as our time comes to a close, I hope that you have a better understanding of who Jesus is. And when you hear his voice, maybe a voice just like roaring waters. Every time I walk near a waterfall, right, I'm reminded of these verses, right, of his voice coming through with power and authority. Not a voice to scare you, but a voice to say, I got this. I got this. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for who you are and for what you have accomplished for us. And Lord, we are grateful that this is a word to encourage us. So Lord, be with us. Be with us now. I pray for your grace and mercy to be with each and every one of my brothers and sisters as we worship you, our God. We pray all of this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, would you rise as we worship our God?
Thank you again for listening to today's sermon. For more resources and information about Goodwill Church, visit goodwillchurch.org. God bless.